Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, what a delight it was to speak to our guests today. Sybil and I originally met about 10 years ago at UK Music, where we had lots and lots of laughs. Since, Sybil has gone on to found several companies, including music company and live record label, I Like the Sound of That, and Independent Venue Week, a seven-day celebration of gigs on a national level with collaboration at the heart. Independent Venue Week is now in its eighth year, and for the first and probably only time was online this year due to the pandemic. She has also co-owned a venue, managed an artist, appeared on many panels, including for South by Southwest, BBC Radio One and Liverpool Sound City, as well as appeared on interviews for BBC Six Music, Radio Five Live, Radio One Newsbeat and many, many more. We talk about the journey of Independent Venue Week, as well as the relaunch of their community project, Yes We Can, promoted through community interest company Can You Kick It. We also look at the types of opportunities that may be opening up in a newly formed live sector and Sybil shares some all-important career advice. We hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to like, subscribe and leave us a comment. It really, really does make a difference. Sybil, what an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. We like to kick off with a couple of warm-up questions. So tell us, what is your most memorable gig? I'm going to be one of those really annoying people that doesn't actually have one. The amount of times I've gone to a gig and just thought, I think that's probably one of the best gigs of my life. And it happens quite, not frequently, but it happens a lot. I think the very, very first gig for Independent Venue Week, which was at the Half Moon in Putney, it was a Domino Records night and it had been such a build up to launching Independent Venue Week and the show sold out. I was so excited. I was really nervous and the Arch Bronson outfit were headlining, but this incredible band called the Amazing Snakeheads were supporting and God bless them, they'd driven all the way down from Scotland for the day for the gig. So they'd driven eight hours to play for 30 minutes to drive eight hours back. And they absolutely tore the roof off the place. It was absolutely explosive. And it was just, it was just such a great way to start the very first show on the very first night of the very first independent venue week. So that will always stay with me. I think also seeing Richard Hawley play the Trades Club in Hebden Bridge was a really big milestone because we've been trying to get him to play there for years and years. It just never happened. I'd spoken to Richard a couple of times about playing there. And when I found out we'd missed the chance again for him to play, 
I just got in touch with his manager and said, you know, is there any chance? He's always said he'd like to do it. It doesn't have to be a full show. And I think that's what got it over the line is that it wasn't a full band show. It's just a stripped back acoustic show. And I cried all the way through the gig at the trades club and I turned around and all my colleagues and friends had abandoned me as I stood there in tears, just uh, overjoyed that he was playing. <laughs> so that was really epic. And I think also seeing Radiohead play the Roundhouse a few years ago was pretty special because I've seen them play a few times. I'd seen them play the O2, but I think the Roundhouse is a really very special location. The setting in the round was, um, you know, it is amazing. They didn't play in the round, but in that sort of round structure. And I cried at that as well. I'm pretty useless when it comes to gigs that mean something to me. I spend a lot of time crying at gigs. But I think those three right now feel like really sort of seminal shows that will always stick with me. Yeah. The Roundhouse is such an incredible venue. Like it feels so intimate, but yet you can get like thousands of people in it. Yeah, it's fantastic. And I think they do so much good work there with their education program for young people. And to have it, you know, in such a historically cultural, important part of London is really important. Yeah, absolutely. So what are you listening to at the moment? Kind of all sorts. In the office, we listen to Six Music. We have it on. There's times when we do put different playlists on, but sometimes, you know, it's difficult for people to decide. So I've, I've stuck with, you know, Six Music because it's just it gets me in that work mindset. I'm still at my mum's. I've been here since Christmas, so I'm not at home with my full record collection. And I've taken delivery of some records while I've been here from Salt and uh, Billy No Mates and Olo Parks. I can't actually listen to those on vinyl at the moment, but I'm still listening to them um, occasionally when when I want a break from the radio. I'm also still listening to Billy No Mates, whose um, debut record was just fantastic. Perfume Genius. That record is also amazing. It's a real mixed bag, but it, it tends to be very six music-esque. And sometimes I'll just go out full left field and listen to a big dose of classical music, or I'll just put some uh, jazz on, depending on what mood I'm in. How would you describe yourself in three words? Well, you know me quite well, so you'll have to see if these are true, but I would say I'm very passionate, very loyal, and quite mischievous. I absolutely agree with those. <laughs> very mischievous. And yeah, I think the passion shines through in everything that you do. God bless you. Thank you. So you've been in the live sector for some time, starting with your own venue and then founding several companies thereafter in like the last 20 years. Companies in live, artist management, marketing, partnerships. What is it that made you want to go into the live sector? I think it was more circumstance than anything. I'd set up, I like the sound of that, which was my limited company, which allowed me to work on events as a freelancer and also start to look at bringing partners in for those events so sponsors and going into the music industry sort of happened by accident I was helping my brother he was managing a band and he wasn't getting anywhere with his plugger and I just used to take records into BBC radio either with a breakfast and pret or you know one year I would, Chris Moyles was doing the summer road show I went down to Hamleys and bought a mini camper van and, and printed off all their faces and stuck them inside the van and just made a real thing of it and, you know, sent that into Radio One with the record and, and got some radio coverage and found I really enjoyed it. And I think I'd worked in a different industry for a long, long time. So this was a new industry for me and I was having to start at the beginning. So I just started freelancing in as many organisations as I could. I worked for the Music Managers Forum, the Featured Artists Coalition, UK Music, where we met. I wanted to go to some networking nights and couldn't find any. So I set one up myself called FM, first Monday, first Monday of every month. I met a lot of people through that and just through the events, which is where it was easy to work as a freelancer, because I, you know, I had event experience and it doesn't really matter then what sector you're in. And then ended up meeting somebody who should remain nameless because he turned out to be very unsavory and incompetent. But 
we ended up buying a venue together and I was also managing a band which is something that you very often find yourself doing when you see a band playing live at an event you put on and you really love them and you think actually I'd really like to help them they don't have a manager so I'd put my fingers in many pies as I sort of started to work my way into the industry and just found as many projects as I could to throw myself into. And live just seemed to be the place where there was more going on that I felt I had a natural home. I think having owned a venue as well, I could see that really nobody was championing or celebrating or really talking about the venues who are such an instrumental part of everybody's career, whether you're on stage or off stage. Most people who work in the industry have either worked in a bar or they worked in a venue at some point or been in a band. So they walk through the doors of a venue, either as a punter or you know, working. And I just really saw an opportunity that that nobody was celebrating them. And I didn't want to create a venue competition. I think they're naff, in all honesty. I've made no secret of that in the past. Somebody up in Aberdeen can't vote on a venue down in Exeter with any consciousness because they've never been. So why would you pitch venues against each other when in fact, you know, the circuit tends to work really closely together. So even if you disguise it as a spirit of, it makes no sense to me. So with all the different freelance jobs I was doing and I was waitressing at the time and working behind the bar I was holding down five jobs simultaneously sometimes just to you know make ends meet and this is this is in my 30s you know I did a big career change and I guess that's kind of how independent venue week came about because I was looking at the record store day model and just seeing what a difference that had made to record stores that wanted to sell vinyl and the knock-on effect of that to pressing plants people who are genuine music fans being able to enjoy music in a format that they really loved and I think there's a lot of similarities with Record Store Day and Independent Venue Week. And as much as it's the it's the ardent fans that really love music that want these authentic experiences. And I think it just it was a culmination of lots of different um, freelance projects and ideas and experiences that just brought me to a head. And I just thought, I think we should be looking at something that celebrates the venues in the same way that Record Store Day celebrates the record shops. It couldn't just be about one day because what happens in a venue tends to change across the week, but you'll see the week being repeated over and over. So what happens on a Monday and Tuesday night will be perhaps open mics or local bands. As you go through the week, it'll be touring bands, young touring bands, and towards the end of the week, it'll be bigger touring bands. And then maybe on a Sunday, it might be another open mic or a documentary or a quiz or whatever. So it felt appropriate to do a celebration that spanned a week. And then thinking about when it would be good to run this was really, it made sense to do it at a time that it was quiet for venues. We were asked by sponsors and broadcasters if we would move this to the summer and it made no sense to us. The summer is the festival season. January, I mean, I don't know about you, Nikki, I'm guessing you also do dry January sometimes, but not always. <laughs> sometimes, yeah, it depends how hardcore my new year is. <laughs> Exactly. And I think January is a really bleak month for so many people. There's nothing really to look forward to, is there? We've got to get through January and February before we start to see any signs of, you know, excitement, really. And I just thought the last weekend of January would work. People will have been paid. For those that have been doing dry January, it's a good chance to get out. Venues have mostly been shut for January because there's not much, you know, going on. And it's a quiet time in the press, but it's a busy time for tipping new artists. So that's kind of how it all came about. It was very organic and natural and I think I think that's probably why it's succeeded because it wasn't a marketing idea it came out of a lack of seeing something that was there to acknowledge and celebrate the, the circuit really. Sounds like it was a it was a, a a solution to something that was obviously an ongoing issue um, that wasn't being recognized at the time. Gap. Yeah yeah a huge gap and 
you know, these venues, they provide a stage and a platform for people to grow their career. And that's not just on stage, but that's behind the scenes. You know, whether you're a tour manager, a sound engineer, um, front of house, even if you're a door person, I think it was about time that actually we celebrated. Not, It's not just about the buildings. It really isn't. It's about the community and the people around them. Mm. These places, we work with venues that are in major city centres, right down to tiny little villages with nothing else going on. But for people in those areas, this is their cultural lifeline. There is nothing else around. And especially in some of the more remote areas, there isn't good transport links. There aren't parents that perhaps can run them around. People always assume that when you're touring, you go to the city centres, you're going to reach everybody. But it's really important to highlight some of these places that are a little bit further removed and arts and culture should be available to everybody regardless of your base absolutely and not everybody has a car not everybody's old enough to have a car if you live remotely in a village you might have a bus every hour and then if you miss that bus every hour would be quite something every four hours is kind of you know what it can be yeah so for anyone who is not familiar with independent venue week can you tell us briefly what is independent venue week Yeah, it's a seven day celebration of grassroots music venues around the country and the people that own, run, operate and go to them, essentially. So it's not a competition. We're not trying to pitch people against each other. It's a chance to shine the spotlight on the people who give a spotlight to everybody else throughout the year and to understand the role these venues play in their community, but also for the industry. And I think no reputable band will find themselves on a major stage or on a big arena tour without having come up through the circuit I know that television bands are are a separate thing and and they service a market but that's not what I'm talking about Mm. here and I'm talking about artists that you know want to have a career in music they're not interested in the fame you ask any decent musician if they could have two years of huge fame or a a lifetime career as a musician they'd always pick a lifetime career because that's what matters to them this isn't about the shiny glossy this is about making music and sharing it with as many people as you can and, and being able to play as often as you can so I think that's really what we're talking about here it's the authentic side of music and independent venue week is a chance to say to people you know what especially in more recent years and definitely in the last year you know when you experience music when you discover music on a screen that's one thing but you, you'll never repeat that experience of going to a venue walking through the door smelling the atmosphere which these days without the smoking is very different looking at the art on the wall looking around in the room to see what other people are wearing hearing conversations it's like real life social media you don't need to be on your phone looking at all these things go and experience it in person and find out what's going on in the world and what people care about and watch a band play live there's nothing better yeah it's like walking into a a cultural hub isn't it and I love that you say that these places are so much more than live music but a place for you know learning creativity arts and culture and connecting people because you say also the independent venue week is all about collaboration and I can really hear that coming through from how you're describing it it's like really bringing people together which is exactly what music is all about and I think sometimes we do forget that because particularly in the last year everything entertainment wise has come through a screen and we've had a massive increase in live streams and just new ways that people are consuming music and also obviously this year independent venue week was run online so yes tell us a little bit about like the different experience that was in comparison to having it live in the venues I, I hope we never have to do it again and I mean that in a genuine way because you know if we have to do it again it means that the world's gone to shit in a handcart 
I've said this to a lot of people, doing anything digitally is 10 times the effort for about one tenth of the output. Mm. And that is because when it comes to regular independent venue week, this is a well-oiled machine. People know how to put shows on. They book the artists, they put tickets on sale, people buy the tickets, they do some promotion, people turn up, they watch a gig. Everybody gets it. Now, if I want to go and see Richard Hawley play the Trace Club in Hebden Bridge, which I always do, I would go to Hebden Bridge and watch him play. But if Richard Hawley had played the Trades Club in Hebden Bridge for Independent Venue Week, anybody in the world could have watched that without leaving their home. And, and there are some upsides to that. But there are also some downsides because it's not visceral. It's not real. It's not, you're not there soaking up the atmosphere. But what it does do, there are some positives, is it does allow people who are maybe under 18 or 16 or 14, does allow people with access needs who can't get there, um, it doesn't allow people who are geographically not close to be able to enjoy arts and culture. So this year was really tough. I'm really glad we did it. It felt important. I think it would have been really remiss of us to turn around and say, well, we can't do it in person. This is about going to gigs and venues. We're not doing it. That would have felt like we'd really abandoned, um, you know, the, the wider IVW family. So we wanted to go ahead. But I think the challenge comes that if people are streaming shows, then... You know, normally we put tickets on sale, but we're putting details of streaming shows and a lot of people weren't so familiar. So we were working with the team up at the Broodnell in Leeds. That's Joe and Nathan, who were just unbelievably helpful because this is a learning curve for us. You know, streaming shows, we've done it before. We worked with a partner called Rippler, who have um, filmed shows at Bush Hall before and streamed them into other venues around the country. That band is never going to go to those places. So we're not adverse to it. But I think the whole thing being digital was a real challenge for us. And... There are so many more things that can go wrong, so many unforeseen things that can go wrong. And just in terms of audience numbers, I think people are also screened out. People are desperate to get out and see people. And there have been some hugely successful stream, uh, streamed events. I mean, Frank Turner really does deserve every accolade going. He's raised a quarter of a million pounds with his independent venue love program of shows that he did. And that's extraordinary. And that really did serve a purpose, as well as doing live stream shows. We did some panels and workshops. We had a culture panel with Andy Burnham and Tracy Braben, Jamie Noppy Goodwin, YouTube exec of UK Music. We had Big Jeff on there, who's our first non-artist ambassador and a real advocate for mental health. And we had Nathan from the Boudinelle and Don from the Boiler Room. And that was a really interesting panel talking about arts and culture more widely, what lockdown has meant and what we hope will happen when we come out. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. And then, of course, halfway through Independent Bank Week, PRS, PRS came crashing in with their ill thought out, unprepared, un- unannounced streaming tariff which immediately caused loads of people to cancel shows. Just an extraordinary move. Showed a real lack of understanding of what's going on, what the community needed at that point. And I know artists need support, but even the artists were coming out against this. So we lost a lot of shows and we did a straw poll, but across just five venues, we lost 15 shows and 178 or 182 people lost a day's paid work because of that tariff, and including artists. So... You know, we faced some real big challenges during the week itself, but we, we got through and, and we launched on the Monday, the very first night of Independent Men. We, we showed our documentary that we've been making over the previous two years called On the Road with Independent Venue Week. It was a real question for us as to whether we felt it was appropriate to show it. You know, here we are showing fans going on tour. Philip Selway of Radiohead, uh, you know, went on tour during Independent Venue Week and met artists and gig goers from around the country, went to visit venues that Radiohead had played 26 years ago. And it was just, it was extraordinary. You know, it made me really emotional seeing people hugging and seeing packed rooms of people enjoying live music. But we went ahead and broadcast it and we did a QA and a after. And it really set the scene for why Independent Venue Week is important and why we do what we do. So it was a really mixed bag, but I'm glad we did it, but I hope we didn't. Yeah, definitely. I'm so pleased that you were able to do something for it and I'm sure these venues were absolutely so appreciative of you doing something as well because I think we can really take these venues for granted sometimes and the same with music you know like with streaming and stuff it's just because it's it's there and it's readily available doesn't mean that there isn't like hours of creativity that's gone into it and like someone's heart and soul literally of like channeled into a song and we just treat it as some kind of throwaway flippant thing oh we're just going to listen to this track or yeah I can't be bothered to go to that gig tonight even though I've got a ticket so yeah we need to take it not more seriously but I think we need to be more appreciative yeah and I think the last year has really shown us that this is something that people have to take notice of if they want to still continue going to see live music so you talk a lot about collaboration as being the heart of Independent Venue Week. And as we're coming out of lockdown, <laughs> you're relaunching Yes, We Can, which is aimed at bringing people together. So tell us a little bit about that and how it came about. Was it something that came out of lockdown and where do you see it fitting into the Independent Venue Week family? So it didn't come out of lockdown, actually. Lockdown prevented it from being launched last year. 
having run Independent Venue Week for a few years, it was very clear, and it was one of the more unexpected sides, I think, just how deep this went. But as we were traveling around the country, meeting venues and communities, it was very clear that a lot of community groups had very close ties with venues. And it was really inspiring to see where that was happening and making real change, especially to those falling outside the mainstream, whether it's because of their age, their postcode, their gender, their orientation, their race, their income. And I think what music is, is, is so universal. And I, what we saw was some really great projects happening that were connecting communities to music and they were being actioned in these venues. So whether that was workshops or whether it was gigs. And it was just so inspiring to see. And, and we looked at some of these projects and some of these organizations and thought actually they're doing great stuff we should be looking at how we can help to make some of these things national and yes we can is there as a development education community program so for many venues they don't open their doors till four o'clock for loading for the bands but here you have these buildings sat empty in the heart of their community and you have all these groups looking for spaces to do activity and just putting the two things together seems so obvious really um, so we are developing, well, we, we have developed a program. We've been fine tuning it, um, since lockdown, which ranges from activity going into these venues, either things that we're creating ourselves or we're working with partners. That's a really big part for us, as you've said, and that can be anything from, uh, early years, parents and toddler sessions through to community groups for the LGBTQ plus community, those with disability, looking at mental health and welfare, the older community tackling perhaps loneliness and dementia but also a huge, huge education program. Um, and that will be for, again, early years, young people who don't really know anything about the music industry and just giving them an introduction to the overall industry as a whole, and then digging a little deeper onto the live side and working with partners like the Featured Artists Coalition, the Music Managers Forum, to give a bit more knowledge and in-depth understanding of what it means to be an artist or a manager or a publisher. So just trying to create a holistic education program, but that's happening in the venues because we want to demystify what a lot of these places mean to people. Our research and other people's research shows that if you can get people through the door of a venue when they're young and they understand it, they're much more likely to go back. We're working towards launching this program at the end of the summer, hopefully, and we've just fine-tuning what we're doing. We're still looking for funding, both from Arts Council and from some foundations and organisations that look to work in this space, especially with young people. Anybody that falls outside the mainstream will be specifically targeted for this. We're trying to reach people for whom these opportunities pass them by because mum and dad don't earn enough for them to do an unpaid internship or they don't know anybody. You know, we've always said if you don't know anybody in the music industry, the easiest door to get your foot in is that of a venue. So go down to your local venue and meet people there. So that's what Yes We Can is. That's what we're building up now. Yeah. And it's also going to your, well, going to your local venue and networking. It's essentially what it is. Because the more people that you know, the more people, you know, will be able to give you those opportunities. And it's so important that the music industry is filled with people from all backgrounds because our difference is really what makes us a strong industry. I think so. And it's about being representative. People talk about diversity, but I saw Riz Ahmed do the most incredibly powerful speech at the House of Commons. And he said, it's not about diversity, it's about representation. And we have that policy internally when we're hiring staff. Uh, you know, we're a team of five with a couple of freelancers. We're truly representative in that respect. And we would like the projects that we're doing to reach people that represent society more broadly, because I'd like to see a better representation 
in music on stage and off stage. You know, Vic Bain set up the F List, which was a really important project where she's highlighting female artists or female fronted artists or artists who have females in their band. And something like that is really important. It's because it's not where it needs to be yet. I think there are so many people around the country who have got some incredible talent that just don't have the opportunities. And that's what we're looking to give them. And I think working in live music is a really great opportunity for people who don't like traditional conventional education or work you know it doesn't suit them so many of these young people are really bright but they're so bored and actually what they want is to work in an environment that is slightly unconventional with slightly different hours but that they'll thrive in because they're absolutely passionate about what they're doing and that again is something that we're really focused on with with yes we can yeah it gets people out of an office and into a fun environment where they're meeting people and on their feet and using their energy if you know they've got loads of energy to use it's really hard work you know it's not like that they're not going to be working hard but but if it's something they enjoy they will work hard because you know if I had my time again I think I'd be a tour manager I really do you get to travel you have to be organized you're not on stage so you're not the one that people recognize really happy about that I just think it's a fantastic job with great opportunity and 98% of people I've met in the music industry have been super lovely. So how can we support the live music industry and specifically independent venue week going forwards? I think the way to support independent venue week which obviously runs at the end of January is to get tickets go to shows but I think if you want to support independent venues just make a commitment to go more regularly when the doors open if you were going once a year go twice if you're going once a month go twice a month buy tickets when you get to the venue, buy merch for the band because that money goes directly to them. And just get together with a group of friends. If you're not doing it regularly, start doing it. If you're doing it regularly, then perhaps, you know, we have a campaign called Where Does Music Take You? We were talking about this earlier. Emotionally, when you hear a piece of music, it takes you right back to a certain time. But traveling internationally is going to be a, a lot slower over the next year, 18 months. And we're encouraging people to get together with some friends and travel around the UK, go to somewhere in the UK that you've heard of, but never been. If you're based in Southampton and you go to your local venue, you'll see a tour poster for somebody and you'll see the names of all these other venues. So you might see the Ledman in Sheffield, you might see the Trades Club in Hebden Bridge, but you've never been. So instead of waiting for the artists to come to you, get together with some friends, travel a bit around the country, go and explore a new place, you know, go and see a different venue and soak up some culture in places that aren't your local area. That was a fabulous idea. Road trip number one coming up. <laughs> also, I, I, Hebden Bridge is beautiful. So if anybody hasn't been there, I highly, highly recommend going to Hebden Bridge. We used to go there quite a bit because I went to uni in Leeds. And so it was literally on the doorstep. Yeah, fantastic. Absolutely adorable place. And that brings us on to my next question quite nicely. And what types of opportunities do you see opening up for prospective individuals who want to work in the live sector? Because yes, perhaps the live industry won't be coming back as we know it, but it's really up to us as the fans and the music community to create the live sector as we want it to be. Because we're like, we're as much the consumers as the ones working on the business side. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you know, we were talking earlier about streaming that will never go away entirely and it will still be part of independent venue week. But I think a lot of crew who it was just so tough for them, you know, they fell through the cracks. They were part of the excluded group, you know, freelancers paying tax, but not entitled to any support. And a lot of them, because of this lockdown, have made the decision that they're not coming back to live. It's just too, you know, it's too unreliable. 
you know, they've really been hit hard. Some people have lost their homes, their livelihoods. It's going to be really interesting to see when things do open up, what crew are going to be available to go and do these jobs, you know, to go on tour with these artists. Um, some of the bigger artists have been able to support their crew financially through the lockdown, but um, a lot haven't been helped. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see where that next generation is coming from. And that's part of what we're doing with Yes We Can, is just educating people, showing them how the industry works, what the roles are. And I think live is really, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? Because people go to a festival or they'll go to a gig and they'll see the band play, but they won't necessarily understand how many different roles people have had in making that show happen. I think the more that we can make people aware, the more chance we've got of people wanting to come into the industry because they can see opportunity that suits them. I don't know, festival tickets are selling out. I bought a festival ticket this morning. They're selling out without really any certainty that we'll be able to go ahead. But I think um, if you're trying to get an availability at a venue at the moment, it's almost impossible because all those shows that were booked in last year that got rescheduled and rescheduled have all been rescheduled again. And there's pencils on a lot of them. And it's great for the venues to know that they've got, you know, all these bookings, but we need that certainty that things are going to go ahead. We're still waiting on, you know, more robust insurance. There's lots of things around air filtration. I think as much as plans can be put into place to make it possible to return to live, we've still got the big question mark hanging over consumers. Do they want to go into busy rooms? It's been so long. How do people feel about that? It'll be a really interesting rest of year to see how things unravel, I think. Yeah, definitely. And we'll be looking back on this time in five years and thinking, wow, we really got through that and look at where we are now. Yeah, I, I really hope that's where we find ourselves. Uh, what are the three things that you've learned in your career that you would want listeners to take away? Three things that um, I've learned is say yes. Just say yes to things. I think if you're trying to get a foot in the door and trying to find your way in this industry, try everything. I, you know, I've worked in management. I've owned a venue. I've set up a record label. I've been a promoter. I've driven a band all the way back from Paris nonstop to London. I've just tried many different things to see what it was that worked for me. Uh, so try many things. Don't be afraid. Just be bold is another thing. You know, I think it's okay to make mistakes. I actually think it's really important to make mistakes because without that, you can't learn properly. You speak to any successful entrepreneur and they'll tell you the same thing. It's okay to make mistakes. And that's ultimately what these grassroots music venues are for, is to allow artists to make mistakes as they learn their craft. Um, and I guess the other thing is if you're looking for something and you can't find it, do it yourself. I couldn't find a networking night in London anywhere. So I set one up and it ran successfully for four years. If you're an artist and you're looking for a manager and you can't find one, self-manage. If you can't find a label, put your own music out. I think it's just don't wait for things to happen. I think you have to be proactive and be creative. Absolutely. What's the best advice anyone has ever given you? Just give it a go. I think that's it. I think that's the best advice I've ever had is, you know, just don't be afraid and have a go at anything. What's the worst that can happen? You know, you don't want to get to the end of your life with regrets thinking, oh, I didn't try that. I should have just tried that. Just do it. I mean, really, I think one thing this last year has taught us is that um, we need to live and be bold rather than just, you know, waiting for things to happen. Otherwise, we're going to be sat on our asses for forever. Yeah. Definitely, because anything can happen and anything can stop us doing those things. And so then it's yes. like constantly evolving. It just did. If listeners want to connect with you, where can they find you? And where can they find out more about Independent Venue Week? And yes, we can. Independent Venue Week is literally independentvenueweek.com. And we have all the usual socials, which is IBW underscore UK for Twitter and Instagram. And I think it's Independent Venue Week on Facebook. Should anybody want to find out my musings, they're not 
wildly interesting. They're either political or about animals or about music, but I'm on Twitter at Sybil Bell and Instagram at Sybil in London. Can you kick it and our Yes We Can programme? We will be announcing that later this summer. So just, um, I think we'll be uh, using the Independent Menu Week platform to make some of those announcements. So you'll be able to find things there as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute joy. It's been so lovely to catch up with you. Thank you so much. The Mellow Compass podcast is produced by the wonderful Rosie Bennett. To keep updated on the latest episodes, hit like and subscribe and we'll see you next time. we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.